But I want us to understand a little bit of why we do those types of what we might call discovery events. People in the community show up to something like that, and they build some form of rapport and connection and relationship with us so that when God starts dealing with their heart, drawing their attention to Him, they know who they can come have a conversation with. And that's part of why we do that. That's why we do things like the car show for Father's Day, for our fireworks event um, on the last Sunday of June, all the various things that we set up and set in motion, of course, our Easter event, a number of those things that are just kind of letting people know that we're here. But I do want to make sure we all understand this very important truth about who God's called us to be as a church family. We are not an attractional church that's just trying to get people to show up and attend a church service. And today we're going to really talk about that. But you understand our mandate is to make disciples. God has called us to make disciples, not just get people to show up and attend church, but to help them grow in their faith, to know who they are in Christ, to rise up and be the strong men and women of God that God has called them to be, to leave the world a better place, to make a daily difference in the lives of people around them. About this time, y'all can start clapping and helping me, really becoming everything God's called us to be. And so that's why we do things like discipleship events and discipleship focal points. We've done um, financial workshops on Saturday, three-hour workshops to help people get kingdom finance-minded. We've done marriage uh, workshops on Saturdays as well. We did eight weeks of discipleship for men this year, and we met before 6 a.m. prayer on Tuesday. We meet in this room every Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. We actually had more than 40 guys showing up uh, an hour before 6 a.m. prayer. They were rolling in here at 5 o'clock, and we, for I think it was eight weeks, just pressed in because we want to know God more. How many of you really want to know God more? You really want to press Him? I believe God wants to deal with something within us and unlock desire that unlocks more of what He wants to release if we're willing to walk that out. Um, in, in the mix of this, I, I want to just say thank you because last week, uh, you all, as a church family, paraded me and my family, Tracy, Faith, and Lexi. We all got paraded up here and appreciated for pastor appreciation. And I want to say thank you very much. It means so much to us to be honored and appreciated. But I also want to take a moment and just give some honor where honor really is due in this place. Because the fact is, all the stuff that we've seen and things we're going to see on a, a video in just a little bit, it takes so much to make all of that happen. But shoulder to shoulder, there's so much we can accomplish. But how many of you know it's not till we get face to face and heart to heart in real conversation that life begins to grow deeper and faith begins to be strengthened? And so I just want to honor and say a great big pastor appreciation to what I believe to be the pastoral force of Destiny Christian Center. And that would be everybody serving in roles of leadership with our community groups. And so if you're a community group leader, you're part of that, part of a team in a group, would you just stand? And we as a church family want want to say, we appreciate your pastoral care and leadership. Come on. We just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. There's really only so much we can accomplish as a staff, but God has really equipped our church family with various gifts of leadership to make a difference in each other's lives. And so we're so appreciative, and uh, we'll have a luncheon today for those leaders and be talking about some of what's coming in the next year. I want to make a few mentions of that, but along those same lines, I just want to mention how thankful I am for our, our entire staff. 
I was talking to Barb before church, and um, you know, when you call the office, you get Barb on the phone, and, and you, you have no idea what all she does and helps with, and the counseling load that she carries with people that come in the office and they just need help. Um, the business center and all the clients over there that she works with. But one of the things that Barb has done that's very pastoral in nature, she has spearheaded the Whiz Kids ministry for 13 years now. And you might not realize it, but every Thursday we bus in seven-year-old children from Crooked Oak Elementary School where the dropout rate is 80% before they graduate high school. 80% of those kids don't graduate high school. They've, they've investigated that. The reason why is because they are illiterate. They do not know how to read. And I just want to say thanks to Barb for spearheading a ministry for 13 years now of helping those kids get them in. Many people in the room have been tutors assisting. That's pastoral care of a phenomenal nature, just heart to heart with those kids and their families. Uh, pastors Chris and Jana and their pastoral role of leadership, spearheading the Relentless Conference where there's a leaders track, student track, where also uh, now the, congrats, the chamber president sitting here on the front row involved and engaged in the community, le leading one of the community leadership engines that goes on called DelQuest. It's not a destiny thing, it's a community thing. And Pastor Chris is leading that. Pastor Shane is taking kids out into the community, doing all kinds of ministry outreach. This last week, we shared the gospel with hundreds, probably over a thousand people saw an expression of the gospel most of us in this room wouldn't even know about. But that's happening because of Destiny Christian School. And on uh, that particular evening this past week, we were going out to multiple states all around the nation with different grandparents watching as we put on a production and a play. And this place was packed. Uh, congrats to the Destiny Junior High cheerleaders who took state yesterday. Come on. I feel like doing a little tumble routine, jumping up and showing you my, all my cheerleading moves. But I'm going to spare you that because I'll just leave it to the professionals. But all the things that are going on with the competitions and the discipleship element of what God's called us to, that was awful, wasn't it? Uh, 700 kids enrolled in our school on this campus. And let me just say, we are going gangbusters to do everything we can to believe God for a wave of revival in this society, in this community, in our city, in our state, in our nation. Let Jesus be lifted up and all hearts be drawn to him. And we may not have it all figured out, but man, we are giving it our all. And I want to say thank you to you, Destiny family, as we walk that out. And today I want us to just really engage on a level of faith and belief and expectation for what God's going to do in 2018. We've been in this focus of love, serve, give. And, and the bottom line, we all have to learn these key things from the heart. That's the difference between nice people in society who try to be more loving, serving, giving, and Christians that are being transformed formed from the inside out. Do you understand you have an eternal well to draw from deep in your heart when you are a man of God or a woman of God that the world around you does not understand? That's why you can bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you, walk in an attitude of love and forgiveness even when nobody around you can imagine how you could do that. It's because you can't do that on your own, but in him you can. His surrendered life in you awakens something for the will of God to be released 
the kingdom of God to expand. And so we've been going deeper in this few weeks talking about why we love and why, not just what to do, but why to do what it is that we do, why we serve and why we give, why we live such sacrificial lives. And it's to awaken the kingdom in the earth and people's lives will truly be transformed as a result. I want you to write this down. It's your first blank and it's what we really want to dwell on, focus on. You need to understand this very important principle because there is a world that exists within you and God's always trying to address the world within you. The reason is because the world within you has the power to change the world around you. Whatever you're dwelling on and whatever you're allowing to get bigger inside you is leaking and attracting attention in that direction. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart. How many of you ever walked into a room and all of a sudden two people who didn't like each other entered the room together and hate, anger, rage, unforgiveness, bitterness? You can cut it with a knife. Has anyone ever experienced that before? The reason you experience that and you know that and you sense that is because we leak. There is a world within us that is constantly emanating from among us and God wants to awaken a world of love and God wants to awaken a world of serve and God wants to awaken a world of give and it is the the kingdom of God that can come alive in every one of us. It'll transform your marriage. It will transform your household. It'll transform your neighborhood. It'll transform your workplace. It'll transform your church. If all we're doing is coming together, listening to a bunch of sermons, all we're doing is getting more religious. But if we're becoming broken, the anointing begins to spill out and men and women of God are raised up in this house. And that's what God's called us to do. Somebody shout. Come on. We're declaring it today. The world within you has the power to change the world around you. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2 says, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as the world within you is healthy. That's what it's saying. Pray that your life flourish and all the outside stuff is awesome. That's great. But how's that happen? As your soul prospers. I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. I'm speaking deep into you today that your soul would move from being unhealthy to a place of being completely healthy so that it awakens something of God's kingdom on the inside of your life that will change the world around you. The right people will get attracted to your life when your dream begins to be awakened and you start to make the sound of your God-given dream that was planted in your life. Don't let the devil hijack your energy and your attention, making you be something God never intended you to be, attracting people into your life God never intended for you to have, speaking in your ear. You need to wake up the dream that came from God that he put in your heart and you begin to make the sound of the dream from God. And when you do that, you then begin to awaken the kingdom and the blessing of God all throughout the earth. Everywhere we walk, every place we go, every person we connect with, every conversation we have, everywhere we shop, everywhere we eat, wherever it is we live, it's all a part of an assignment from heaven. Even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. I just sense the Lord is helping some of us in the room see what's going on inside is not what God wants to go on inside. I believe in this moment there's a sense of conviction 
that comes into this room where some of us begin to realize there's an unhealthy element of my soul on the inside. And if you're not careful, that will take control of your life and emanate out of you and attract the wrong people into your life and begin to establish and take you down a path, cause you to have a world and possess a world you never were intended by God to have. God wants us to live such blessed lives that we awaken the blessing of God in the earth. Do you get that? That's Christianity 101. It's not be good, be nice, be sweet. Religion can teach you to act a certain way, but Jesus says, I don't want you to act about anything because act is fake. I want you to be. Stop trying to do what you think you ought to do and learn how to be who I've called you to be and out of who you be, then that's what you will do. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. God made you who he made you to be, not so you could waste it on you, but so you could spend it on others and expand the kingdom in your life. You need to understand this very important truth. This truth comes with the trick. The truth is God wants your life to be awesome. The trick is you are not supposed to pursue an awesome life for yourself. You are supposed to provide an awesome life for others, and that in and of itself will make your life awesome. Let me make sure we understand. I want to go over it one more time. God wants you to have an awesome life. He just doesn't want you to be selfish in a consumed perspective that says, I'm going to make my life awesome. I'm going to walk through my world, and I'm going to make other people's lives as awesome as I possibly can. Now that will make my life awesome. If you and your marriage will stop trying to turn your mate into somebody who will make you happy, and you simply be who God's called you to be to serve and make them happy, your marriage will be transformed. If you and your friendship will stop trying to talk people into being the friend you want to have, and you just be the friend they need to have, it'll transform your life. If you and your workplace will stop trying to make that workplace into a place that makes you happy and you will simply rise up and be who God's called you to be in that place. I'm a little stirred up today. Your deepest sense of purpose. I mean, people, I'm going to go find myself. I'm on, what's the meaning of life? I want to say this so that you can understand it. Your deepest sense of purpose is born from learning to be a part of somebody else's story. Your deepest sense of purpose is not discovered in trying to do the stuff that makes you feel fulfilled. Your deepest sense of purpose is not the pursuit of happiness for yourself. It's the provision of joy in the lives of people around you, and that awakens something so profound within us. Love, serve, give. God deposited things in you to be awakened, that you might uh, express those into the lives of others so that he might increase that which is going on in you. And then you leak, and more of the kingdom begins to emanate everywhere we go. See, God has a strategic plan that he set into motion to empower us to cooperate with his desire to make our world flourish. Did you hear what I said? God has a strategic plan. He set this into motion to awaken something within us. It's a strategic plan, and I'm just going to tell you straight up, I'm not going to back away from what this plan is. I want to look at Scripture, and I want to evaluate what this is because we're not just talking about loving. We're not just talking about serving. We're talking about giving. 
And throughout all the ages, God has always made this a part of the plan for his prescription of worship in the earth. He has always made a part of his plan that every time you increase, you then are, are in a sense, facing a test. Are you going to worship God and love God, or are you going to worship money and love money? And all throughout the ages, he's always implemented this idea that every time we would increase, we would worship God with a portion of our increase as an expression of our worship, surrendering ourselves completely to who he is. We trust him. And this is called the tithe. This is a principle that we see in Scripture that existed before the law ever came into existence, and it's where Abram actually gave a tenth of his increase to a, a guy named Melchizedek. This was the priesthood being established in the earth, and then in the Old Testament we see where God begins to reiterate this, and I want to show you some of that today. But then we see beyond that in Matthew 23, very clearly, please don't misunderstand this, Jesus endorsed this principle post-law. He didn't come to do away with law came to fulfill it. And he said, you should not neglect the tithe. That's what he says in Matthew 23. The reason is because this breaks materialism off of ourselves. I mean, you know, we've got to be free from us before we can really fulfill the will, plan, and purpose of God. Left to yourself, you're going to destroy yourself. We all will. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Deny you, take up your cross. No, uh-uh, you don't understand. He's not saying, Jesus, I'll invite you into my life so you can give me all the things I want. He said, deny yourself. Christianity is missing the point in our generation, and somebody needs to run a flag up a pole and say, this is not about you having everything you want, and you're going to love Jesus so you get the stuff you want. This is about you dying to yourself so that he is who you want. He is who you want. See, numbers have significance in the Bible. I want to walk you through a trail to understand a little bit of, of just how important this is. The number seven in the Bible is the number of God or the number of perfection. The number of man is one less than perfection it's the number six. The mark of the beast is when man sets himself up to be God as if it is a trinity of humanity, 666. So all this is really interesting when you start evaluating what numbers really look like, numerology of Scripture, and so forth. But there's one number I want to talk to you about as we're in this whole focus of love, serve, and give, and it's the number 10. And 10, just as these other numbers have things assigned to them, the number 10 is a number of testing. God tested the Israelites by giving them commandments. How many commandments did he give them? Ten. God tested Pharaoh by sending plagues. How many plagues did he send? Ten. God tested these, uh, in the New Testament, Jesus was there with these virgins in preparation for the return of the bridegroom, and, and they were tested to see where they get the oil and get prepared. How many of them were there? 10. And then Jesus healed the lepers, and they were tested to see if they would come back, and they would give thanks. How many of them were there? How many disciples were there? Okay, just checking. <laughs> Making sure we're all together. So 10 becomes the number of testing. I want you to hear carefully, 10 is the number of testing. 10% tithe means 10%. Masra, M-A-A-S-R-A in the Hebrew language means 10%. 10 is the testing. Will you love God? Will you love money? 
This is a test that's taking place every time we increase. You may not like it, and, and you don't have to like it. I don't have to argue with you. You get into the Word, and you try to come to the proper conclusions. I'm just telling you from a biblical standpoint, as a spiritual leader of this house, I want you to flourish in your spirit and in your soul, man, and I don't want you to argue against God and kick against God. I want God to awaken something within you. And the scripture's really clear. It's kind of wild. But when you look at this, this number of testing, where increased tests, are we going to love money or are we going to love God? And then we continue to move forward in this testing process. It's really interesting because this is the only place in the Bible where we see we are encouraged to test God. We read about this in Malachi chapter 3. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is the place where we receive spiritual food, the release of the priesthood in the earth. It's the church. It's not just about being generous. Some people say, I'm just going to be generous in a lot of directions and be Christ-like. That's not what the Scripture uh, uh, really lays out for us. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, spiritual food, that we might release some, some spiritual substance in our community. And he goes on and says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this and see what I will do. See, this is interesting because what we're talking about is faith, isn't it? It's easy to give what's left over. But this is, I put this in, a, in for you to write in the blank so that you're really thinking about it, engaging. Tithing, if we really look at what tithing is in Scripture, it's giving our first and it's giving our best. Tithing is giving our first and our best to God. It requires faith to do that first. It doesn't require faith at the end if there's leftover. And God's plan is to strengthen your faith. Now, this is really kind of wild. Jorge's over here to my left, 23-year-old young man, and uh, been coming to the church for a while, and God's been really doing some cool things in his life. Actually been on a couple of ministry trips now and partnering together just as God's deepening him. And, and he, he had an interesting experience last week, and I want to share this experience with you. Uh, I asked him to text it to me so I could read it. Raise your hand, Jorge, so everybody can see who you are. Sorry to embarrass you. All right. On Sunday, this was his, these are his message. On Sunday, I was listening about tithing, reading the notes over and over. I've never made this a priority in my life before, and I've always felt like I wasn't really doing my part in the church. I wanted to take that step, so I went to the giving station and I gave. Later that day, I went to the store and I found a wallet somebody had lost with a lot of cash in it. This had thousands in it, not hundreds, okay? How many of you know if you tithe, God will get somebody to lose their wallet? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Jorge, I mean, what does he do? Like, you know, you've got this, all of a sudden I gave, test me, and then he's got a wallet full of like thousands of dollars all of a sudden. And, and so he, being the fine young man that he is, He uh, looked this guy up on Facebook and sent him a message, and a few minutes later, the guy was walking around looking frantically for a wallet full of money. And uh, and so Jorge shares how I called out his name. He thanked me so much because there was so much money in his wallet and insisted on paying me a reward, even though I told him he did not need to do that. 
He gave me everything I gave that morning and a whole lot more. It was very moving for sure. I'm not very good at sharing stories, but that really is what happened. <laughs> so these giving stations back here, we're installing these panels, and when you drop your tithe in, cherries and, and strawberries, they're going to start ching, 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 and 777, right? Giving stations are, are not, I know most of y'all are just so holy, you have no idea what I'm talking about at all. Um, but, but giving stations are not like slot machines, okay? This is not what this is about. And, and, and I share that story and I have to, you know, I had to really think through how to share that and bring this about so that you really understand. Because I just want you to know straight up, no question, God is not promising to give you what you want when you obey him, but he will give you what you need. Now, most of the time, we're chasing what we want. And if you go back to a giving station today and you put your tithe in there and you go to the store and look around on the floor, you might be mad at Jorge for hearing this story because nobody dropped their wallet. And I just want you, to, I want you to hear this because, again, we started this whole thing out understanding. As your soul prospers, he said, I will pour out a blessing so great, listen, that you can't contain it. In other words, he'll put something in you that begins to enlarge you. He might immediately meet you where you are and show you a check you didn't expect or something like that, but that's not what this is about. What's going to happen is when you honor God with your increase, he'll put something in you that you can't contain. He will have to enlarge you to possess the strengthened soul that will exist within you. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Now, one translation, some people had a heyday with this after first service, but one translation of Isaiah 10, 27 says, the anointing has made me fat. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're looking anointed, baby. <laughs> now, I want you to understand what it means. Take all this in the context of what I've been sharing with you, okay? Real, let me read you back in. Take all this in the context. Pour out a blessing so great you can't contain it. The anointing breaks the yoke of bondage, or the anointing makes you fat. What this is talking about, if you look in the context of the book of Isaiah, that's talking about oxen that actually have a yoke that's placed upon them. And when the oxen would eat well and get healthy and strong, then they could no longer fit the yoke on them. And in many instances, the yoke would actually begin to break off of them. The anointing will enlarge and increase the blessing within you in such a powerful and profound way that the yoke the enemy has tried to hold over you in times past won't even fit anymore. Come on, be enlarged today. Be increased today. Be everything God's called you to be today. We're awakening a blessing within us today that enlarges and increases us. Bondages are broken today in the name of Jesus. 
We have to learn to do these things God's way, according to God's plan, according to God's word, embracing in an attitude of faith, recognizing, I believe the words of Smith Wigglesworth are the words that need to become our own. I am a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Right now, I'm taking control of the atmosphere of this room with an anointing that's placed upon my life. You ought to do that in your house. You ought to do that in your workplace. You ought to do that in your heart. Rise up! Hey! As your soul prospers, God wants to enlarge you in such a way. How many of you are tired of some of them old yoke issues, yokes of bondage? The enemy, it's like the, the, the ox is going to have to plow again. You, you get over there, and the enemy just comes over, and he just puts that yoke back on you again. You come in, and you're like, yeah, well... I'm going to live free this time. You take it off, and I'm going to do the best I can. And the enemy comes back, and he just puts it back on again. You've got to get fat with the anointing. Enlarge so much when he tries to put that on. He says, uh-uh, this ain't fitting anymore. I can't get this on you anymore. You're getting free from where you've been. I just can't get it. And if he does get it on, you just keep rising up, and you break that thing completely. Holy Spirit, I pray right now in this moment that there would be bondages broken in our lives, that we would understand the sound of heaven is in the room, and it's by the Spirit of God that it's being awakened within us. I, I just want to, I know this is not the way we did it in the first, and, and I just, I want to give you an opportunity. If there's a yoke in your life that you say, I'm ready for this thing to be broken, I just want you to stand to your feet. We're just going to take a moment here, but I just say today, we're serving notice on the enemy, and there have been some patterns and some rhythms and some issues of our past, and we refuse to allow them to have control of where we've been. They will not take us into the future. We will go. There will be a new normal that will be released in our lives in days to come in the mighty name of Jesus. So right now, Lord, we agree. We all of a sudden became a thousand times bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. I thank you, Father. You're awakening something in the name of Jesus.